review because I know it's been a few weeks, like I said. So, um, so I guess this will be part two. I was hoping to get through all this, but I, I may not because I got a, another message that I want to get to. But, you know, all in God's time. Amen. So, Amen. you know, we, uh, just for review, we talked about, you know, everywhere Jesus went, he brought glory to the Father. Right? And that's what we do. Right? So, as God's children... We're to bring glory to the Father. And, you know, and one of the ways that we talked about was being a part of the church, right? Just being a part of the church because uh, he said in Ephesians 3.21 that he says this, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And see, the thing is, you know, we know that according to scriptures, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ, right? But here's where God calls us. Because Jesus said in John uh, chapter 6, I believe in verse 44, he says this. He says, no one comes to him unless the Father draws him. Mm -hmm. Right? So the Father's calling each and every one of us mm -hmm. to him, but we can't sidetrack through Jesus. Right? We, we can't sidetrack by Jesus. we got to go through Jesus because if, if we go to the Father, we're just through us. We can't get to him. Right? But if we go through Jesus, he's no longer seeing us in our wretched state. But he's seen us through Christ, Amen. through the blood of Jesus. So, Amen. you know, and we have to learn that we also talked about not only just being a part of uh, the church. And now, and it, let me say this again. It's not about the church building. It's about being a part of the body, right? And that leads us to what I talked about before, organism, right? We're not to be an organization, but we're to be organism, Amen. right? Because the organism is alive, Right? And, and the thing about an organism is interdependent on parts, on di different parts. So what does interdependent mean? And I ain't go over this, but interdependent means uh, two or more dependent on each other. Right? So we talked about, Jesus said what in Matthew 18, when two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. Right? And that's why I said, as a church, we can have church anywhere. Right? So this is why we don't forsake the assembling, but we're the gathered. It's not about the building. It's not about beautifying the building. I think we talked about a little bit about that on uh, Wednesday. Uh, you know, now everybody wants the grand building and the, the, the movie theater screens and everything. It's, it's not about that. It's not about that. Those are all materialistic things, and truth be told, those are worldly things, right? Doesn't mean you can't have it in the church, but we don't put uh, stock in those things, I should say. All right, so now I talked about uh, going back to unity. I came from 1 Corinthians 12, how we all have a part in the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Not in the church, but in the church body. Amen. We have a part in the body, right? So we're not all called to be apostles. We're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be deacons. We're not all called to be in the ministry of helps, per se, right? So what would I look like if I had two left legs, two left feet, two left legs, <laughs> two left feet at my arms? It wouldn't look good, would it? <laughs> and instead of two eyes, I had two left, two left legs as eyes. Right? I wouldn't be able to get nowhere. Right? But if we're all doing what God has called us to do, now the body of Christ can function the way God wants it to. Right? But if we're trying to fit in a round hole square pegs, then something's missing. Right? So, let's take, if I have my right arm, and I'm using my right arm, guess what? I can lift more if I use my left arm as well, right? And then guess what? I can move it if I start getting both legs involved, right? So
So I become more productive, right? So now I'm not handicapped, right? So handicapped meaning this, circumstances that makes progress or success difficult. So if we start to place people, if people get out of order and do what they're not called to do, guess what? We're making the progress of the church difficult, right? So this is why we have to be careful on where we go and what we do. And, and you know, I shared with somebody this week, a couple people actually, that, you know, we have the church body, the building, you know, ministry, I should say. To do what God calls you to do, you're not dependent upon that ministry, right? If God's called you to do something, do it, right? So if God calls you to be a prayer warrior, prayer warrior, then be a prayer warrior, right? You don't have to rely on the rest of the church to do it. Or if God calls you to do outreach, go do outreach. You don't have to get 20, 30 people to go out and do what God calls you to do. If he calls you to do outreach, it could just be you or one other person. Just go do it. Right now, we'll be back. We'll, we'll, we'll back you, you know. But what happens and what gets people frustrated is like, well, I can't get people from the church now because maybe God didn't call them to do that. Amen. God called you to do it, and so now we get frustrated. And guess what? Now it makes progress difficult. It makes success difficult on what God was calling you to do because you're trying to rely on somebody else. So now you're trying to drag somebody else to do what God didn't call them to do. Right? So. Everybody's not called, like I, and I gave the example about evangelism, right? Everybody's not called to be an evangelist, but we're called to evangelism, right? But everybody's not called to be an evangelist, to travel and things like that, you know, and speak because everybody's not called to be a teacher either. We all have our parts. Everybody's not called to go to children's ministry, right? I could do it now, years ago, but someone wasn't going to do that. Right? I didn't want to watch my own kids, somebody else's kids, so... You know, but we all have a place within the body that God, God has equipped each and every one of us with talents and desires to do so we don't have to rely on other people. We just need to do it. And that brings glory to the Father Amen. when we do it. Amen? Amen. So the, the other thing we talked about was love. Right? So love, which is going to lead us into our lesson today, is uh, love is vital. Right? Because God is love. Right? So... Love, we're to do what? We're to love our brother, right? But a lot of times, we don't truly love our brother, right? We, we, we kind of treat them like friends, right? So if they do something to me, I don't love you no more. Well, what you just said last week that you love me. Or if they leave the church, I don't love you no more. I don't want nothing to do with you no more, yeah. right? But wait a minute. There was always, you gave me hugs and you loved me. So that's not love. That's not love, right? So we're not only to love our brethren, we're to love our what? Neighbors, right? That's right. And, and who else would we to love our enemies, right? That and that can be difficult. That's difficult on, a, on our flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can love our enemies. Amen. We can love the and see. We're going to talk about fruit. We we could turn it to uh, John chapter fifteen. Now, I remember Phil, because he done mentioned this a few times over the, over the years, that the first time he heard me minister was coming from this chapter, the vine. <laughs> right? But it's important for us to love. Because if we can't love, and see, and Jesus said what? The world will know that you are my disciples by our love for one another. So if we're bickering, and we're arguing, 
person. This that's supposed to be our brother. That's not love. That's right. So we are no different than how how we are no different than the world. So how are we going to draw people to Christ? We have to be different. And I told you before in the early church, what separated the church from the rest of the world was their love and how they took care of one another. They were there for one another. They supported one another. And those that weren't a part of the church, they saw that. It was like, wait, wow, what's going on here? How they loved their enemies that were persecuting them, they still loved them. Right? So if we want to know what is mature and in the, in the, being mature in the fruits of the Spirit is when we can love those that do us wrong. Right? So I know y'all in uh, John, but I'm going to read uh, Matthew 5. So Matthew 5, uh, beginning at verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So I talked about this, uh, I think, a couple months ago, that we're to be peacemakers. That's a part of love. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? It's okay. We're supposed to be persecuted. Right? So, even if the fact that it doesn't catch us by surprise, guess what? We still love those who persecute us. Right? So, regardless of who's in office, regardless of what they do, we still love them. Not talk about them. Not bash them. But love them. Verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, if we want to know what being, again, what being mature in the Lord is in the fruit, is this. When we give something to somebody, and guess what? They turn their backs on us. They take it and turn our backs on us. Or when someone spits up on us. Right? Or they talk about us. Then, guess what? We have to walk in love. And we have to forgive. And walk in love. I mean, it's not that, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to hold this against them. Right? See, God knew I was going to be talking about this because they happened to be this week. Right? Somebody that offended me wanted to reach out to me. And I could have said, no, fend for yourself. But I didn't do that. Right? And it dawned on me as I was going through it, because God showed me this, I think, yesterday or Thursday. I was telling you earlier before service. That is maturity and the fruit. When people do us wrong, and we still love them, that is maturity and the fruit. And guess what? That brings glory to the Father. All right. So, John chapter 15. And like I said, we're not going to get through all this. All right. Beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine. I'll read all of it first when I'm going. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So, understand this. As Christians, bearing fruit, it's not optional. It's, not, it's so much not optional that, and I, I think I probably said this before, that if you call yourself a Christian and you're not bearing fruit, then you're not a Christian. Because if you're connected to the vine, you have no choice but to bear fruit. Amen. That's good. It, 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 it is automatic. Okay? So in verse 1, Jesus said, I am, to, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Right? So he's saying, look, the Father is the one who's going to prune us. Right? So I don't know how, how much y'all know about vine dressers, but I didn't realize this, but vine dressers can make a lot of money. You know, they can make up to six figures. Yeah, I would have never thought that, right? And I never thought about being a vine dresser either. So. <laughs> but, you know, they can make a lot of money. Why? It depends on how, how, how much they got to cover, right? But the thing about the vine dresser is this. They know what the branches look like. They can, they can see one day it's healthy and then come out the next day and see there's a spot on it. And then guess what? They start pruning it. Pruning it. Why? To make it right. To get it to bear more fruit. So Jesus is saying, look, I am the true vine. So when we see that word true, sometimes we're thinking, oh, well, if he's a true vine, it must be a false vine. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> but that's not necessarily the case. What, what he's talking about, we have to understand, to Israel, the vine, they understood about the vine. Why? Because in the Old Testament, Israel was considered the vine. Right? This is why the Bible says, even in Genesis, he says to uh, uh, God says to uh, Abraham and Isaac, and he also talks about it in Jeremiah and Isaiah, that I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. See, Israel is divine. Those that nations and people that were connected to Israel, they were blessed. See, as long as they stayed connected to Israel, they were blessed. They were prosperous. Right? But the problem with Israel was, we know, they didn't always bear good fruit. Right? Sometimes their fruit will become evil. They will follow the ways of the world, and guess what? Their fruit will become rotten. So what? God, who's the vine dresser, sends the what? True vine. So now, guess what? We don't have to worry about Jesus becoming corrupt. So if we stay connected to Jesus, we will never become corrupt. See, but in the Old Testament, you could be connected to Israel, and you still be corrupt. Because if they weren't following God. See, we have to understand, Israel, Israel was blessed. And when Israel left Egypt, guess what? People who were held captive in Egypt, or who stayed in Egypt, that, was, that weren't Egyptians, that wasn't Israel, guess what? They left with Israel. Because they recognized that God's hand was on them. Right? God's hand was on them so much, even before they got put in the wilderness, guess what? The other nations saw it. They tremble because they heard all the stories of what took place in Egypt. See, because what was supposed to happen was they were supposed to go out and do works of righteousness. And that works of righteousness was supposed to bring glory to God. So now that we're connected in the New Testament to the true vine, guess what? We bear, we, we bear fruit and then we go out and we do works of righteousness. And that works of righteousness draws people to the Lord. Right? We don't do just works where, oh, I'm going to do works and, yeah, because that's what God's called. See, that's part of being a part of an organization. 
See, because people will do that. They will come to a church and they will do works because it makes them feel good about themselves. No, no, no. See, when you're bearing fruit, you can't help but do works of righteousness. You can't help but be a giver. Why? Because we're taking on the nature of Christ, which we're taking on the nature of God, the Father. God is not selfish. He's unselfish, right? So that's how we have to be, right? So even though it may be hard on us sometimes, we still get it. Why? Because God is still going to bless us. All right, so let's go on to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. See, first let me go over what pruning is. Pruning is a verb. It means to cut away dead or overgrown branches, stems to increase fruitfulness. So sometimes God will cut things off out of our life so we can bear more fruit. See, some of us have been rejected in life. We've been rejected by family, we've been rejected by friends, and we thought it was a punishment, but it was actually God's pruning. Because God knew if you get around a certain amount of friends that you will not give Him the time of day. You will not worship Him like you're supposed to. You will not walk in holiness. You will listen to them, reach out to them for help, instead of reaching out to Him. Amen. 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 See, we think it's a punishment, and we think pruning always hurts. It, well, it does hurt. <laughs> but pruning can be a good thing too. See, we're thinking that God is chastening us because He's trying to punish us. No, He's not trying to punish us. He loves us. Right? See, some of us didn't get a certain job we applied for because that was part of God's pruning. Right. See, some of us didn't get the house that we wanted because it was part of God's pruning. He didn't want you in that house. He didn't want you in that neighborhood. Same thing when we moved here. What I didn't say before was that we had a tough time finding a house because something we, well, not tough. Well, I guess it was a tough time. But we saw other houses that we liked. We saw one particular house that we liked. But that owner was being difficult. Right? But that was part of God's pruning because he didn't want us there. He wanted us in the house that we're at now. Amen. So sometimes that pruning is for a reason. Right? That pruning is for us to bear more fruit. Why? Because the vine dresser knows our strengths. The vine dresser knows our weaknesses, right? Just like the, the natural vine dresser can look at that vine and see where it's strong and where it's weak at and know how to take care of it. So even if that vine is broken off or dead, because he says here that um, the ones that don't bear fruit, it takes away. And this is not a part of my message, but I talked about this years ago that Sometimes that, that branch can be broken off and that vine dresser can take it and put it back to the branch. Right? At, to, to the vine and get it to connect again and grow more fruit. Right? But sometimes it becomes so dead, it's got to go. See? So, the same thing with us as believers, right? He's not talking about the world here. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the body of believers here. So, guess what? If you're not bearing fruit, then you're dying. Spiritually. Right? You're, you're dying, and guess what? Eventually, you're going to be carried away. Right? You're going, to, you're going to be taken away, and that means to carry off. Verse 3. You are, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That word there means, is a Greek word, a familiar word that we heard before, I'm sure, logos. Right? Which also means a spoken word. But it also means what Jesus is talking about here. It also means doctrine. Right? Doctrine, teaching. So he's saying... You are clean not because of just the words that you hear from me, 
but you are clean because of the teachings that have been given you. See, in other words, you didn't get the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that leaven, that teaching that was no good. I gave you the true teaching. And guess what? Some of the disciples couldn't handle it. See, in John chapter 6, some, so, and this came to me today, if they walked away from Jesus, what makes us think they won't walk away from the church today? That's right. They had the Messiah standing right there in front of them. They couldn't deny the miracles they saw. They couldn't deny the work. They even talked about it. He's different. He teaches. Even the, look, even when they went to go try to arrest him before, they said, they came back empty handed and said, We have never heard nobody teach like this before. <laughs> they couldn't deny it. No, the Romans couldn't deny him. The Jews couldn't deny him. But guess what? Some disciples walked away and said it's too hard. And guess what? There are Christians today that are going to walk away and say it's too hard. Mm. And see, this is where we have to be able to determine. My job as a pastor is to get you to grow spiritually. Right? So it don't matter how many scriptures you try to memorize, that's not going to get you closer to God. It's not. Right? It don't matter. Doesn't, don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> How many Bible colleges you go to, bachelor's, master's, doctorate, that's not going to get you closer to God. I'm of the opinion, it can most of the time pull you further away from God because you're spending less time with Him if you're not careful. Right? So, but we have to stay connected. We have to stay connected to the bond because if we're not bearing fruit, something's wrong. We're not connected. Like I said, it, it, there, there should be no reason why a Christian is not bearing fruit. Right? So, it, and that explains why we can be in churches and we see people coming, praising God, but they're miserable. They're miserable. And guess what? They're evil. They, 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 they speak nasty to you, but they get pastor, pastor, pastor. They love the pastor, but speak horrible to you. Right? <laughs> that ought not to be. That's not true. So guess what? They're not connected. They're not connected. And guess what? They're in danger of being carried off and taken away by the vine dresser. See, this is all, this is not a superficial walk. It's like I said before, we're either all in or we're not. There's no part-time Christians. Right? There has to be a consistency here. If there's no consistency here, I question if you're saved. And if there's no fruit, you know, granted, we may go through things, but again, where's the consistency at? Where's the love at? And if that's not there, Rasan is of the opinion, you're not saved. You're not saved. Right? So that's why we can't get caught up when people say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I go to this church. Yeah. By their fruits, we should know them. Right? By their fruits, what they're doing, how they're talking. <laughs> Look. We should be uh, uh, a reflection of Jesus Christ. When they look at us, they should see his word, which is Christ. Amen. When we look in the mirror, we should see Christ. And a part of that is, again, walking in forgiveness. Walking in forgiveness. We got, and see, the thing about it is, same thing with Judas. Judas would have been forgiven. But he did what? He got into combination and went and go hung himself. And I talked about it before. That's what separated him from Peter. Right? It wasn't that Jesus didn't love him. But see, Jesus saw the end from the beginning. 
turning their backs on him, worshiping idols and doing things. He says, you know what? I'm going to still bless you, give you everything you want to see uh, which direction your heart's going to go. And guess what? He gave them everything they want and their heart went towards the way of the world. That's why he won't give us. He loved Israel so much when they rebelled against him. Guess what? He still sent punishment to them because he loved them. He didn't destroy them as a whole and wipe them off, even though there was one time he wanted to, right? <laughs> but because of his love, he didn't do that. See, and see, this wipes out some of the word of faith and prosperity teaches them what they teach. God's love doesn't mean he's going to bless us with anything and everything all the time. We're all good. Because guess what? I'm pretty confident he loved Paul. Paul got stoned. And guess what? He loved Paul so much that he put a thorn in the flesh so he wouldn't even become prideful. That's love. And see, to us, in the world today, we don't think that's love because we overuse that word, love. Right? And no, sometimes love means that God's going to allow certain things to happen to us. Right? So we don't fear, of course. So we don't become too prideful, too arrogant. Yes, His love can cause us to have success. But because of that love, He's going to slow things down, right? <laughs> He's going to slow things down so we don't get... Because you see some churches blow up real quick, businesses blow up real quick, and they, they forget the principles on what they got started with. All right. Uh, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Oh, hold on. Going back to verse 4. So, all right. So, we can't... I talked about how we can't bear fruit if we're not connected to the vine, see? So sometimes we have to be careful. Now, we've probably been to funerals where somebody was unsaved, right? Somebody was a non-believer. And then we hear all sorts of things. Oh, they were a good person. They did this. They did that. But you know what? Truth be told, it's going to sound harsh. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing if they're not born again. And they did it with the right motive. It means nothing. And even if you're born again, you do it with the wrong motives, guess what? It's going to burn up in the end when we stand before God. The Bible talks about that. Right? So when we're standing before Him, the things that we do, if we're not doing it with a pure heart, it's going to burn up like fire. It's not going to last. But the things that we do out of love and with a pure heart, it will stand. Right? And then we'll receive our reward for it. Right? So, but we have to be careful because... We, we, we hear people talk about other things, uh, other people, rather, who are not believers. It doesn't matter how much money somebody gives. It doesn't make them good. It doesn't make them good. Make them generous, right? <laughs> but in the, eyes, in the eyes of the Bible, in the eyes of the Lord, it doesn't make them good. Right? So we have to be careful of that. And like I said, the only way we can do good fruit and good works of righteousness is being connected to the vine. All right, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I am him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So, again, it's not, see, if we're connected to the vine, we should be bearing much fruit. Not a little bit. Much fruit. And, see, and it, that's the beauty of it. Even to the new born-again believer. They can be much fruit. Right? They, they may have areas of weakness because they got to mature, so they may only get, they may be only 
be able to get or take in rather milk and not meat. Right? But as we're bearing much fruit, as we mature in the things of the Lord, the milk part's gotta go. And truth be told, we got people teaching on faith, that's milk. That's milk. Why? Because it takes faith to come to Christ. Right? So that should be element. Actually, Paul talks about that. They wanted it, wanted his writing, wanted his letters. He talks about that. Faith is elementary. I think it was Paul. But because it could have been in Hebrews. I think it might have been in Hebrews. So, but um, we have to understand there's certain things that we are teaching today as meat, but it's actually elementary. See, the real meat and the potatoes is bearing much fruit. Truth be told, it's, it's the holiness. Right? That's me because those are the things that the disciples that walked with Jesus walked away from. They didn't walk away from the milk. No, see, they loved the miracles. <laughs> they loved the miracles. They loved the feeding of the bread. They loved all that. But <laughs> once Jesus started to give them a little bit of meat, mm -mm, I don't want it. I can't chew it. It's too tough for me. This is too hard. It's time to walk away. See? But the only way we're going to stand before the Father is we take the hard stand. We have to be on meat. Right? So we've been saved for a number of years. It's time out for the milk. We shouldn't need a faith lesson, per se. We should be beyond that. Right? So if we're connected to the vine, guess what? We don't need to be taught about faith or the seven key principles of faith. <laughs> we don't need that. And that's not even scriptural anyway. <laughs> Right. But people got books on it and they write about it. And some of y'all may give you money. <laughs> and all you gotta do is go to the book. Go to the book. it's right there. And see, as we that's why I said my job is to make sure, you know, that you grow spiritually because I want you to be able to tell the fluff yeah. from the real stuff. Amen. Because there's a lot of fluff out there. Yes. Amen. Right? There's a lot of fluff on the radio, on TV, on YouTube, and we're listening to this stuff. And the thing about it is this fluff that they're teaching, they, they draw it because there's always some elements of truth. I don't care how false a teacher is, there's always elements of truth because they won't be able to drag you in. Yeah. But then as you listen, you should be able to tell the fluff. And see, then they start coming up with all this other stuff, and then we start to believe it. And then guess what they're doing? They're disconnecting us from the bond. And now they're giving us the false leaven, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and we start to disconnect from the Lord. And guess what? We start to disconnect from genuine brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we start to rely on the gifts of the Spirit and all these other things, and this is how people are getting swindled and getting their money taken. <laughs> no. Just do what God calls you to do. Simple. But you know, truth be told, and I think Phil said this when me and him were talking in the office, most Christians don't know what they're calling this. Most Christians are walking around lost. This is how they get snagged into doing stuff. That, and, and they do it. They feel like, you know, people put pressure on come to the church, do this, and do that. And then they're doing stuff, and then they're not happy. Because you, you're not called to do that. Right? And I know some people probably won't see that. They might get upset when I say this. But you don't need no questionnaire to figure out what your calling is neither. Right? You, you don't need that. No. I don't need no question here to, 
I don't need to fill out something. Why? Because that's a man-made thing. So now you'll be getting your calling, your direction from man instead of getting it from the Lord. And we got people doing this stuff. And this is why people are going to all these schools of ministry trying to find their calling and they're still lost. Graduating with a paper certificate that's not accredited, pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for, and you're still lost. Why? Because you've been swindled by something, by somebody. And some people don't do it purposely. Some people don't do it purposely, but they just don't know no better. You want to know what you're calling us? Get before the Lord. Get before the Lord. Now, other men and women of God can see it to confirm it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But, you can't come to me and say, son, what's my calling? You got to go to God with that. Right? You got to go to God. Yeah. And even if I say something, if God ain't told you, don't do it. Don't do it. I'll tell you that. Point blank. Right? But other people in it, they, they, they're going to tell you to do things. And that's why I say you got to be able to discern the fluff from the real stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff in this Bible. And me and my wife were talking this week. And I'll get ready to close on it. We were talking this week because uh, she said, well, son, there's really no, the Bible doesn't describe on how to leave a church. I said, well, yeah, it does. Because it doesn't say, well, you leave the church this way, but there's certain principles of integrity that's in there when we're bearing the fruit, that we're going to do things the right way. Right? It has nothing to do with just leaving the church, but even when we go to work, right? there's certain principles of integrity that we're going to do. So we don't follow the ways of man. Where, and, and, and here's the thing, even if our brother or sister in Christ does something wrong to us, what are we supposed to do? Thank you. Where to go to them, right? What do we do? I'm leaving. I'm not going back, right? Or I'm not going to contact that person no more. Right? We don't. We don't reach out to them, and then we hold on to it. And then what happens? As we hold on to it, it becomes bitterness in us, and that bitterness starts to eat at us, right? And then what that bitterness is doing is creating that wedge in our relationship with God. And then we start to wonder, man, I'm not hearing from God. And then we start to get distorted. Like, well, God's telling me to do it. No, God, God will never go against his word. Either. See, we got to walk in full obedience to him, right? And his full, walking in full obedience means we're going to do things, he's going to have us do things that are uncomfortable right. to us. And that's just the way it is, right? But we need to rely on him and stay connected to the vine. We're going to rely on him. And, 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 and sometimes we, we may be stepping out and it's going to be shaky. It's going to be fearful. But he's there with us the whole time, holding our hand. Actually, holding us. I got you. And he just wants us to walk out in faith. That's, right. <laughs> That's it. Plain and simple. Right? Just to trust him. But, but we have to stay connected to the vine. That is the, the, the true vine. See, Jesus is not like Israel. If we're staying connected, there should be no evil fruit coming out of us. There should be no rotten fruit coming out of us. Right? But we should be nutritious to this world. Ooh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> and that's what we're going to go into next week. Amen. Yeah. Because if we're bearing the true fruit, and see what happens is we have churches that are not bearing, not churches, but Christians that are not bearing true fruit. And we're going to go into the difference next week. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Amen.